Hey, I got an idea. Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's January 31st, 2010. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination, Episode 170. This is No Agenda. Slowly running out of time on the extended stay in the minimum security containment cell and coming to you live from the Crackpot Command Center here in Gitmo Nation West, San Francisco, California. In the morning, I'm Adam Curry. Episode 170, Where Has All the Time Gone? I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill. In the morning. Mimimum. 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 So, uh... Um, <laughs> in the morning, John. Yeah, in the morning. So, uh... Oh, oh. We're getting... We're coming up on episode 200. Does it... You know, I used to do that until I hit, like, 800 or something, and I got really tired of celebrating episodes. No, but we can celebrate to get people to donate for the special episode. I have a better idea for donations, for, mm. um... Uh, which we'll talk about in the donation segment. <laughs> coming up later. Yes. <laughs> lock in your lock in the time. It's coming up. I know you can't wait for it. The donation segment. This we is, do uh, have. Sorry. We do have three executive producers. Three. Though. Nice. Okay. Well, in, I was just about what to we say. want. We want three. Yeah. So our executive executive producer, the top dog. Yeah. Is our old buddy. Uh, Let me get Stephen Pe- Pelsmakers. Wow. Pelsmakers. He uh, is actually now. Uh, Contributing today to a second knighthood layaway program for his friend and colleague, and who is known as the Separator. <laughs> Shall I put him? Uh, I guess he's a, a wrestler. Shall I, <laughs> a Mexican wrestler. A Mexican wrestler with a mask. <clears throat> Shall I put that in the show notes um, uh, on behalf of uh, the Separator, or what do we do? Uh, yeah, you might as well. Okay, hold on a second. In parentheses, right? On behalf yeah. of the separator, is that? Because <laughs> I doesn't think he wants to. He doesn't want two to the head, so use the pseudonym, huh? Okay. Well, 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 Stephen, thank you very much. I mean, Stephen has is way way past. Stephen is carrying the show. Is if if this were a charity, he is carrying the show. If this, carrying the show. If this were a chair, this is kind of like uh, with the uh, SAG Awards. When the, there's always one moment in the show where the president of the SAG Awards, you know, gets up and gets to say something for like five minutes. I mean, that's kind of where Steven's headed, right? He gets yeah, that. no, he's going to have to stand up and say something for five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and see, see how easy it is. Yeah. Steve, no, Steven, <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah, Steven, yeah, of course, so is. Uh, where's, he, it is. where's he from again? He's from. Uh, Vandermark Dam. Vanderdam. He's from <laughs> Vanderdam. He's from da- Vanderdam, Netherlands. Vanderdam. Okay. <laughs> it's a lovely town. You should visit it once. Vanderdam. Stephen, uh, thank you. Highly appreciated. Uh, I'll, and, we, and I'll tell you what that's worth to you in a moment after we do our associate executive producer. And then show. we got to associate executive producer uh, uh, David Bailey, who uh, wants to be mentioned at www.davidbailey.com. Um, and curiously enough, he is. He gave us two seventy five, by the way. He, is, which is very, we're very thankful for. He is in Flower Mound, Texas, a transplant from Menlo Park, California. Curiously, I've been to both Menlo Park, California, and I have been to Flower Mound, Texas. What is in Flower Mound, and where does that a name big mound. stand? Yeah, with it's flowers? A big of, it's, you know, Texas is a little on the flat side, unless you're in Austin. And it, and Flower Mound is somewhere 
in around Dallas, and it's a big mound. <laughs> I think there's a bunch of dead Indians in there or something. I don't know. A bunch of dead Indians or something. Nice. I don't know. I don't remember. Nice. Maybe it's dead flowers. I'm not sure. <laughs> but it's a big lump of land, and it's like a mound. Okay. It's big. Yeah. I'm with it's, you. It's their idea of a mountain. Okay. And well, then finally, you, David. With, with David Bailey, B-A-I-L-E-Y. Uh, and then the $256 was donated by... Uh, now, his name is Elan Seamus. Uh this is part of the money received for, uh, as donations for his website, which is um, Seamus, S-H-E-M-E-S dot com. So he passed it on to us. He's in Permerend, Netherlands. Oh, Permerend. Can you tell me, uh, how do you spell Elan? I-I-L-A-N. I-I? No, no, I-L-A-N, sorry. I I L A N. Yeah. Elan Seamus? S-H-E-M-E-S. Yeah, that's not a very Dutch name. But Permarent, of course, is uh, where they have a fine riding stable. Well, maybe he's a, a horseman. And you can well, t- and and you can- he, he, let me read the way he says. He says, phonetically pronounced as Elan. Then he has Seamus, S-H-A-M-A-S, Seamus, Seamus. Dash A-S? A-S? I'm sorry, A-S. That's what he says. Wow. Okay. But then he has in parentheses one S only. So how does that work? Oh, but yeah. No, one S at the end, so it's not sham ass. Oh, shame ass. Yeah, that's the mistake I just made. Shame ass. You know, shame you can ass. always tell uh, when you're on the uh, A, I think it's the A9 highway. I think it's the A1 in Holland. When you're right near Permarent, because there's this huge billboard on a building which is actually the indoor riding stable uh and it's one of those you know it's, I don't know, it's probably like 50 yards long or something and they usually have the marlboro man on it big billboard huh then you know there's a lot of big billboards in in holland yeah it's a big it's a big billboard place so I was driving around there. Well, with, hold on, uh, hold on. Let me just finish up by saying oh, yeah. thank you very much to our uh, executive producers. Uh, Stephen, Stephen Pelsmachers, of course, at the top of the list with uh, David Bailey and Elon Seamus. Uh, you know that you can put this on your resume. It has been known to get people work without even handing in your CV. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but it's a real credit. Uh, and, of course, you can uh, always attach uh, an MP3 file when you send off your resume uh, with proof that you uh, were one of the uh, executive producers or associate executive producers of this program, No Agenda, Episode 170. And, of course, uh, it's a real credit because without your um, executive producerness, this show would not be a reality at all. And we're already on shaky ground. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we've. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we are. Yeah. John. John was over at the. Uh, at the minimum security containment cell yesterday, and we, we were bitching about that. But yeah, we did some, we, we did something good yesterday for our uh, for our listeners slash producers. Yeah, we had uh, somebody donated a couple of T shirts from somebody in Norway, and they haven't 
written me ba- or written back or mentioned it again. I can't find their uh, email. I think it made it to Twitter. <laughs> Wait, now you're blaming them. They haven't written back, but yet, yet you lost their email. <laughs> you're I'm such a douchebag. Well, they're Norwegian. They can afford to be blamed. <laughs> Those guys are living the life of Riley over there. <laughs> they didn't join the EU, and they've got nothing but money coming in left and right because they got all that oil. They're like the Saudi Arabia of the, of the Nordic countries. Deisters show up and take advantage of people's goodwill and generosity. <laughs> so, uh, so I don't have a lot of. Uh, uh, I, I admire the fact that they stumbled onto a gold mine. You know, the, the, they always say that all the Scandinavian Nordic countries say that the prettiest girls are in Norway. Really? Yeah, the, the Swedes tell you this, by the way. Oh, yeah, our girls are great-looking, but oh, Norway, oh. Really? Yeah, a lot of other people have confirmed this. And curiously, of all the, I've been to every country in Scandinavia. I've been to Finland. I've been to Iceland. I've been all everywhere but Norway. Well, there's probably, there's probably a good reason for that. There's no, nothing to do in Norway, I guess. <laughs> and I always hear that uh, the, uh, the Swedes and the, and the Norwegians don't like the Danes. No, nobody likes the Danes. <laughs> what do you mean nobody likes the Danes? <laughs> nobody said the Danes. I like the Danes, yeah, but I'm, really. I'm, I'm not over there. Don't say it like that. So anyway, so you, so we How have these... Danes have helped us out here on this show? They don't listen to us. So they're, we, they're, no, that's true. No, is that true? Uh, wait a minute. Taxes. I don't know. Uh. So anyway, so, we, uh, so back to the two T-shirts. Yeah, we got a couple of T-shirts, uh, really good-looking T-shirts, using one of our one of the better artworks that we received from uh, Paul T. And uh, the one with the uh, showing us is a couple of communists. So we had uh, Adam's uh, roommate. fiance, fiance roommate, <laughs> <laughs> roommate Vicky, who doesn't really like the show. But <laughs> In fact, she's been known to hate the show from time she to time. Hates the show, but she was happy enough to model the shirt, so we'll have some pictures of that for you guys. And I'm telling you, these are these are good shots, man. I'm talking like no pants, pants on the ground. Pants <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> True or false? They're good picks. Oh, yeah, we have the the, the, the stunners. Yeah. Yeah. No, these these are really awesome. And so what are we going to do? Are we going to uh, use this for our t-shirt promotion? I don't know. We'll probably just use it for promoting the show. But, we, you know, if we can get that, that T-shirt, I may have, it could be, I think that's the same one. We could probably have that one done by uh, Cafe Press because it was a, it's a stick on, it's not a, not a silk screen. Well, I it's don't, nice, I, though. Yeah, but I don't want crap quality. And I don't know, Cafe Press. Well, is... Cafe Press has improved over the years. Hmm. I mean, okay, we'll find somebody else. Maybe we'll get another T-shirt guy out there. We had one before. I have to look him up. But so anyway, he does only silk screen. So we had uh, so we had quite a crew over. We had uh, you know it was a full full blown photo shoot with uh, hair and uh, styling and makeup and uh, you know John had said oh you know I'll just use the Nikon I'll make the picture so I got like a real uh, professional photographer. Well, he happened to be there. You didn't get him. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I called in some of the. Uh, I called in a favor. I called in a pro. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and so. Yeah, it was like uh, it was a lot, a lot of work doing this one T-shirt picture. Well, so, you had all the lighting that you need. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, it was cool. And so John and I went out and got uh, sushi for the whole crew. And uh, yeah, yeah, which was appreciated. Although um, that sushi was paid for by, let's see, I that know, would it was be David <laughs> Bailey. Yes, exactly, <laughs> <laughs> just about uh, it, it, without the tip. Uh, but but uh, this morning uh, after uh, my roommate. 
made my, my no agenda in the morning pancake. She's like, uh, who put wasabi fingers all over my keyboard? That wasn't me. <laughs> what do you mean? You were the only one at that keyboard yesterday. What do you mean wasabi fingers? Well, I don't. Why would I have wasabi on my hands? Well, because you were eating sushi. Huh. Huh. Well, I was poking the keyboard with uh, with some rice balls. I know that. Tell her to take it and sponge it off. Yeah, I know. It's okay. She didn't want me to mention it, but I, I said I had to give you crap about it. Uh-huh. So, um, All right. I was saying before the show, there's a couple you, cause you were bragging about the fact that you're going to make a video about how to make coffee or something like that. No, a pancakes. Cup of coffee. Pancakes. And first you open the jar and then you pull out a spoon, you know, so this is, no, uh, hold on a second. I was, what I said on the pre-stream, which you might want to check out cause we usually, you know, play some music and stuff uh, half an hour before the show starts when we do it live. I said, Everyone wants uh, Mickey's recipe for the No Agenda pancake, so I'm thinking, why don't I do an iPhone app with some video on, in there on how to make it and sell yeah, the no, iPhone Yeah, I think that's app. great. Yeah. And that brought to mind my uh, my uh, kind of uh, uh, litany about how to spot people who can't cook. And uh, and here I'm going to give everybody this tip. This is the way you can spot people who can't cook. They tell you that they can cook, A, <laughs> and they tell you that they're they're particularly good at cooking either lasagna or spaghetti. Oh, how about omelets? No, no, no. This is the this is the classic. The omelets, you know, that people can do or not do. But when they tell you this, you don't know whether they can cook or not if they tell you they can cook, do a good omelet. But if somebody tells you that they cook the world's greatest lasagna yeah. or spaghetti, then it's a I can off. assure you they cannot cook. However, lasagna, to do a real good lasagna is not trivial, so I wonder why people would take that as the blatant lie. Because they can't cook, and so they go <laughs> and they and they buy that, you know, the box of golden grain <laughs> lasagna noodles, and it's got a recipe on the back, which is pretty good, and they follow it, and it actually is edible. That's actually what I used to do with Thanksgiving with my family up at Mead Road, Uncle Don's place. You know, everyone, you know, it's like a big family Thanksgiving and, you know, people coming in from all over the country and all over the world and bringing in their famous this and their famous that. And there's a cousin Vinny's this and 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 cousin Allison's that. And I'm like, I feel like such a douche. So uh, I'd always bring in my famous stuffing, <laughs> which was basically stuffing. stovetop in the Tupperware box. And they yeah. all loved it. Oh, how did you make this? You must give me the recipe. Uh, sure. Anyway, um, let's get this show underway, John. I'm sorry. And now, back to real news. Why don't we just do all real news someday? Well, it's not hard to fill up the show with all real news. I think the one that is real news yet at the same time is just very disturbing is uh, the new censorship rules in Australia. Oh! This is this is really. I mean, this is some of the what weirdest stuff. What is wrong stuff. with that country? This is the, this is the stupidest thing I have ever seen in my life, and this is just a, a continuation of the crap the Australians have had to put up with with this government of theirs. And and I don't know. I, I mean, thought I, they were tough down there. You know, it's, I don't think they're paying attention. They're all out there in the out in the outback, in the Utes, which is uh, means revving up the engines on their utilities, utility cars. Which is like a flatbed Toyota, back in the Ute. Yeah, so the uh, it's it's not law yet, as far as I know, but it's proposed 
as the Australian government is uh, set to install the largest internet filter. It's like a big net nanny that uh, that sits between the pipe that comes down to Australia and the country. And uh, there's now a new reclassification uh, made by the Australian Classification Board as to what is X-rated and, I guess, therefore illegal. And uh, the, so what's going to be banned as seen as uh, as massive smut is women with uh, a an a cup or smaller breast size so basically very small breast or flat chested as that could be misconstrued with uh child pornography do i have that right yep is that something well, it comes along with another one which we didn't talk about yesterday when you were when you were over at the at the command center. Uh, I found another one of these crazy. Uh, actually, it's the Australian Sex Party who, of, co- of course, are fighting this. They they have a very interesting platform. They <laughs> they have a very simple formula: go after anything that's anti-sex, which I like. Yeah, it gets the job done. So, what is also there's two. Additional things that are being reclassified, uh, one is golden showers, which is the practice of uh, urination during sex. So that is now going to be seen as complete uh, smut, outlawed, and I guess therefore illegal. But along with that, also included is female ejaculation. And um, that's illegal. That that is. Hey, don't do that. Hey, ladies, stop that. What are you doing? <laughs> You're gonna go to jail. And and so and as I was reading as I was reading through this, the first thing I'm thinking is, you know, how ludicrous is how crazy is the world become? And by the way, that's happening in Australia today. It can happen in your town tomorrow. How crazy is it that the simplest of bodily functions? Are being deemed completely, you know, outlawed, smut, illegal, and then I thought to myself, you know, it's amazing that in this day and age, with a female body function such as female ejaculation, most people don't even know about that. It's a it's a rather rare phenomenon. Well, not on the websites I've looked at. <laughs> Hey, get off the internet and do your real work. No, seriously. It's like how can you how can you ban that? And I don't know if it's that rare, John. I really don't. Well, I really don't. I, I and, and it's rare because women don't know they can act. They, I think every woman can do this. Well, but, maybe whatever the case is, these Australians are, have got a screw loose. But I think even more offensive is the fact that. That, you know, some woman, I mean, there's a lot of women out there always saying, well, should I get implants? You know, I'm kind of flat, but they have it. They're attractive and they're fine the way they are. And they're not built for big breasts. And now they're being excoriated for for just being them, their natural selves. I mean, if I was, I mean, it's not bad enough for small topped women to have to go through life, you know, worried about the fact <laughs> nobody's staring at them. Now you're illegal. Now they're illegal. I mean, this is like this is the this is insulting. I think these the the, the flat-chested women of Australia unite. I mean, come on. No, they, they, they've got they've got a revolt against this. This is just is just an outrage. It's revolting. We, we've got to help them with a uh, with some kind of slogan. <laughs> yes, let's come up with a slogan. I'm flat, not taking your crap. Something like that, you know. So we, yeah, we're nice trying something. to rhyme. Yeah. Well, we don't like it, and we have a formula against it. Our formula is this. We go out, 
we hit people in the mouth. You know, what we could also do, John, is, uh, you know, we could just start the uh, the men of Australia could start walking around without, uh, you know, without T-shirts on, without shirts on, with little rings drawn around our nipples. <laughs> they could do some of the bad Solidarity. guys. Solidarity. Probably have bigger breasts than the girls. Yeah. It's crazy, though. That's just crazy. What has the world become? What's happened? I'm watching television last night. We're watching, what are we watching? FX, HD, watching some movies. And uh, every other commercial is for uh, for lube. Yeah, or worse, play my commercial that I have there. Well, hold on. What do you have? You got a commercial? Yeah. Oh, oh, don't, don't, oh. Don't. No, I see it. I see it. What is this you sold us? Condoms. It feels like nothing's there. That's the whole idea. This is new Trojan Ecstasy. A totally new fit, plus his side, her side lubrication to feel so much pleasure. It changes everything that I feel about condoms. Is that bad? No. I guess it's awesome. Awesome. Do you take Debit? Trojan, America's trusted number one condom brand, introduces new ecstasy. You can't wait to get it on. I'll start the car. Go. Go. Go to TrojanCondoms.com to save up to $5 and to learn more about Trojan Ecstasy condoms. Uh, and, you know, and it's not even, it's like... In- Just get Room, Did you hear that you? inside outside? Yeah. So, so if you wear it the wrong way around, then you're going to get female pleasure. Is that what? It, is that what, <laughs> if if you screw it up, you put it on wrong. It, the whole thing is stupid. In this commercial, they got these this couple running in to the pharmacy, wondering what it was that they just did because they're too stupid to read the box. And then they, uh, the person behind the counter, not embarrassed in the least, is explaining it to them. And then they're ha- panting and looking at each other. And then she, as she's buying these condoms, she's telling her boyfriend, husband, whatever the hell he is, get go, 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 start the car. You know, I'm going to be coming out on the run. I'll be jumping through the window as you drive by. Oh. Oh man! I mean, give me a break. You know, so it's that. And what is the what is the loop? KY, KY. It's like and all and the whole thing. Just like this, it's called ecstasy because we, apparently we don't know how to have fun and ha- boning each other anymore. We've got to have special uh, coated stuff. That who knows what's in there? By the way, what what chemical is there, John? What chemical that you can separate for the ma- for the male organ and the female organ that can heighten your pleasure? And is designed specifically for the man or for the woman. What chemical could this be? Caffeine. Really? No. I'm just saying. I <laughs> oh, think, I think you're going to buy it. No, but seriously, what? What? I mean, they they said, look, it's they can't lie in these ads. They say that you know, it's like, oh, you're the man. Oh, you're the oh, you're awesome. Oh, that was great, baby. We would have had no fun if it weren't for that oily crap you put on my dick. Goo. That goo? It wouldn't have been any good without that. What is wrong with people? Have we forgotten how to have fun having sex? Well, you, they have in Australia. <laughs> uh, the chat room just uh, pointed out correctly that this is obviously a plot by... Monsanto. To sell the women of Australia Monsanto boobs. <laughs> Genetically modified. Monsanto doesn't make boobs. Not yet. Not yet, my friend. They make everything else we put in our body, so why not? They might as well. Well, it does seem like maybe a boob, uh, a boob lobby was in uh, the boob, charge of that the one. The boob lobby. <laughs> the boob lobby. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Anyway, um, I have spoken to Mickey about it, and she's she's completely down with it. we got to go to Australia, man. And, John, you're coming, right? You're going to come, come with? I need to go to Australia anyway. So I got another one. Here, here was, while you were watching that crap on <laughs> FX. <laughs> crap? 
You can you can play what I was watching, which is a, the clip swimsuit. Ah, you. <laughs> Damn, I can't believe I missed it. Foiled to get Mickey must have known. That's why she put on some like we watched Super Bad instead of yeah. the swim the swimsuit competition. Is that is that what it is? Is that what I missed? Yeah. Well, ah. this is a part of it. Oh, let's listen. I'm really happy about it. <laughs> Watch your step. Watch your step. Watch that cord there. All right. All right, Cece. All right, you got to rip off this dress. Rip off the dress and get into that bathing suit. And by the way, everybody, she looks amazing in a swimsuit. All right. What is this? Get in there. Get in there. All right, Mario. Back to you. What is this, John? This is the backstage uh, uh, activities uh, during the Miss America competition. It could have, what could happened have sounded more like a cattle show. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Some girl from, I guess, Oregon, they, the girls voted her in as the extra person to get to go to the swimsuit competition. And this guy rushed her off the stage with all this, you know, this kind of cute patter about ripping off her dress and the rest of it. I thought it was kind of, a, kind of weird. I couldn't watch. This is the worst Miss America I've ever seen. Wait a minute. And so, me, first of all, what channel was this on? Yeah, I think it was on TBS or something like that. So it's TNT. like basic cable, essentially. <laughs> yeah, basic cable. And, it wasn't and, and who were the judges for this fight? Rush Limbaugh was one of them. What? Yeah. And that's all he talked about all week, by the way, on his show. You know, oh, he was the, oh, the, oh, the bragging oh. about being the uh, candy man for the uh, Miss America pageant. But then anyway. He, then he had a back-end deal. Hold on a second. Ratings. It's Miss America, you said? Yeah. I bet. It, I bet it, the. I bet the ratings were off the hook. Well, that's why you knew about it, of course. No, I. I actually caught it by accident, and I caught it just as this. This scene was unfolding with this idiot rushing the girl off and telling her to rip off her dress. I couldn't resist recording it. But anyway, so I started watching the thing at the at the swimsuit competition. They already eliminated, you know, most of the women. I think there were like fourteen or fifteen left, and they were coming out in the swimsuits. I have never. I'm not, I mean, I don't watch these things routinely, but I've watched enough of them over the years to say that I have never seen anything like this in my life. Each, and I, and anybody who saw this can agree, will agree with me, except for the two blondes. There were two blondes and all the rest were brunettes with the exact same hairdo, more or less. And every single one of these girls, and I swear anyone who's in the chat room who saw this will have to agree with me. Each of these girls looked like each other's twin. They had the same body. They had the same face. They had the same legs. They had the same waist. They had the same top. I mean, it was like one would come out one after the other. It was like, was, isn't that, didn't I just see this girl? Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. I mean, I've never seen a cookie cutter event like this. Whoever was in charge of it reminds me of those guys who do casting on TV shows, and they just happen to like one type of woman, for example, and every actress on the show looks exactly the same, and you can't tell who's who's right, who right well i don't uh, i don't have the overnights in yet but uh, it uh, in 1991 the show was bringing in 26 and a half million viewers in uh, 2009 last year's show only three and a half million viewers so the uh, the franchise has obviously eroded well so, they shifted to cable i think that hurt them of course that hurts but that's what i mean why else bring rush limbaugh in unless you're gonna give the guy a back-end deal pun intended 
and uh, and Yo. and uh, have him talk about it all week. Who else was a judge? Who? What other scumbag I don't, I was on this? I don't remember. This, I, any, I know any, you know, any guy who who is a judge on this show deserves two to the head. It is the most demeaning thing to women ever. Well, in this case, it was the most demeaning thing to one particular stereotype woman because I'm, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, it was like a bunch of identical twins. It was astonishing. By the way, John, if they ever ask us, we're totally doing it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> in a heartbeat. <laughs> all right. And they always they make the guys they make the judges on all these things look like douches anyway because they you know they they introduce them and they're shooting them from way above so they're shooting down on them and they're down in an audience with they're usually surrounded by a bunch of creepy people it's just uh, pretty funny but anyway I only I couldn't watch much of it because it was like what's the point well anyway for you so coming from you that's quite a bit. It is. No, seriously. I mean, I, if it was, if, I don't know what to tell you. It just was a piece of crap. All right. Let, let's, let's get into something else here. I'm kind of done with that. Oh, I got one then. <laughs> All right. Play the AFL-CIO. In the oh, wait, wait, Center. stop, stop. Let me set it up. This is uh, uh, Moyers interviewing the head of the AFL-CIO about... Uh, uh, current events. Uh, okay, now, 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 first of all, we have to say, because, you know, there are new listeners to this program all the time. Bill Moyers, you know, this is the mistake that these these talk radio guys make. You know, you feel like you're not a part of the program because you don't know who the hell you're, these guys are talking about. Bill Moyers is a, uh, is a PBS news communist. Co- he's a communist. There you go. <laughs> Thank you for helping me out. Bill Moyers <laughs> is a communist. And who is he talking to? He's talking to the head of the AFL-CIO about the Massachusetts election. What is the AFL-CIO? The AF, well, come on, everyone knows that. No, the American no, Federation not everyone. Labor and whatever the CIO used to mean. It's a labor uh, union. Yeah, so it's the it's the Uber labor union. Okay. The communist yeah, and the labor union. are part union. of it. Okay. You ready now? Yeah, hit it. Okay. In the Massachusetts Senate race. It was a wake-up call, and we were predicting that. We said, look, they're angry, they're frustrated, and if you're not on the side of creating jobs, jobs, jobs. Ah! Oh, wait. Oh, no, no, wait. I've got a better one than that. From the oh, Col- you from, beat uh, me? Yes, from the Colbert Report. About one thing. I think it's all about jobs. Jobs, jobs, jobs. Main thing here, jobs, jobs, jobs. Jobs, jobs, jobs. Jobs, jobs, jobs. Jobs, 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 jobs. Jobs. Apparently, Stephen Colbert or his writers listen to this program because they finally put together the montage of jobs, jobs, jobs. We've been doing this for how long, John? Ever since we got this one. Jobs, 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 and jobs. Let's vote for jobs. It's crazy. Yeah, no, I don't think anybody can predate us on this one. No, no way. Absolutely not. Because Pelosi, when she did that, we on the next day, boom, we got it. Immediately we had it, yep. And the next one, of course, uh, without a doubt, will be this. Ah, crap, I hate it when that blows up. Shysters show up and take advantage of people's <laughs> goodwill and generosity. <laughs> Shysters show up. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, I like well, on, it. Well, on the job tip, if you want to do a little bit longer clip, um, it's very obvious to me. It all fell into place when I was watching the vice president speak in Tampa, Florida. Uh, and actually, he's the opening act now for Obama. But really, like the, like a, like a comedian who warms up the audience. And uh, it's 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 kind of a long clip, but it's it may be oh, worth, Biden. Oh, Biden. Yes, huh. it may be worth uh, listening to it because. Essentially, what is taking place is there is a 
it's not even a switch because we know that this has been has been planned for a long, long time, and now all of the airport security and everything makes so much sense. It looks like we are going. We're, we're, there's a throwback to the days of, uh, I guess it's FDR and the uh, Interstate Highway Program. Is this presidency will be the presidency of the high speed rail? And there's all kinds of tie-ins and connections that are. Just like when you, you hear it, you go, oh, of course. And uh, I just wanted to play a little bit of O'Biden in, uh, in Tampa as the warming up act for uh, President Obama. New platform. Uh, by the way, I think they were all pretty much pro-O'Biden in the room. They must have vetted them. New platform to build this economy on that will serve not just our immediate needs, but future generations. Ideas like wind power, solar energy, the smart grid, broadband. Woo! Broadband! Rail, and that's there it is. Here today. Now, I wonder how much GE's got to do with this high-speed rail. Well, that is... Hold on a second. Something's messed up. Ah, my system is crap. I can't... No. It won't stop. Uh, Let's play out. Having made over 7,900 round trips, literally, on Amtrak, 250 miles. So right there. Oh, oh now Amtrak. I know why O'Biden was on the train all the time. He was setting up to do the high-speed rail thing. So he could, So he's the authority on trains. <laughs> yeah, because he's been in one. <laughs> <laughs> Ever been on a real train? A day, I am very familiar with rail. See? And today you have no idea how pleased I am to talk about the announcement that we made yesterday, a warning in total, nationwide, nearly $8 billion from the Recovery Act. So how much do you want to bet that the work that had just stopped in front of the uh, minimum security containment cell, because they're waiting for money to continue building this bus stop, which they have said will be a bus stop. Will be <laughs> this is the world's biggest bus stop. <laughs> they have said that it, it will contain a stop for the high-speed rail from Los Angeles. Yep. So, so you watch the work crank up in a second because the eight billion dollars has been approved. By the way, I didn't hear any announcement of that. <clears throat> this is this has not been on the news. This is this, I had to pull this off a of C-SPAN. So uh, let's just listen. Listen. Funding to move us in the direction of developing a high-speed rail service in 13 travel corridors covering 31 states all across this country. Hello, 31 states, 13 travel corridors. That's a massive undertaking. I mean, like massive. <laughs> you know what this leads to. Ladies and gentlemen, these investments, these investments have several goals. First, to improve existing rail lines to make train service faster and more liable. Two, more liable. to pull cars. <laughs> he said more liable. Is he I think, drunk? I think he said reliable. Oh. Let's listen to it again. To improve existing rail lines to make train service faster and more liable. It's going to be faster and liable. He's been drinking. Faster liable. Two, to pull cars, cars off the road, <coughs> reducing congestion, cutting pollution, and increasing productivity. What he doesn't mention, of course, is... 
to make air tra- air travel uh, less convenient, which of course they're doing a fine job by making it. The, no one wants to fly anymore. It sucks. Well, here we go with General Electric again. General Electric. No, 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 wait, wait for it. You're googling ahead of me. And go. three to begin to develop new corridors for high-speed trains that will go from 169 to 230 miles an hour. French trains can which, do way, which is pretty slow for high-speed rail. Yeah, no crap. Ladies and gentlemen, like a Carter, right here from Tampa to Orlando. Why? Tampa to so uh, so the Disney characters can get a ride to work. I guess. So the hookers, huh? The hookers from Tampa. <laughs> so you'll be able to get. On a train here in Orlando in less than an hour, Yay! without battling traffic and congestion, arrive at your destination. Ladies and gentlemen, this single investment is not going to solve yeah. all our transportation issues overnight. Here it comes. Instead, with more than $55 billion of proposals from 50 states all across the country, we're providing $8 billion in seed money. And today's <laughs> awards provide only initial funding for the rail system. Like Tampa to Orlando route, more funding is going to come in the future as progress is made. We have committed to another $5 billion in funding over the next five years. It's a down payment on a truly national program that's going to reshape the way we travel. It will change the way which we go from place to place, change the ways we work and live, and it will connect communities to each other in a way that in the past was impossible. Just like the interstate highway structure did back in the mid-50s. It will have far-reaching consequences. Let me ask you a question. How can we, the leading nation in the world, be in a position for China, Spain, France, and name all the other countries? (laughs) I love that. Name all those other places. You know, them like places of those foreigners. Who have rail systems that are far superior to ours. Ladies and gentlemen, it's about time we move. But this time, <laughs> but this time, we're not only going to be providing better. But you got to wait for it. We're going to be taking cars off of congested highways. It's like if you got a car. It's like isn't the auto? I mean, didn't they? Did, how much money did we put into General Motors? <laughs> Why the hell did we did we give him? What was it? Sixty billion dollars? If we're just going to rip running, the car? we own them. Yeah, we're going to rip those off the road now. That was good. Uh, that's just admitting defeat right there. Admitting defeat. Oh, by the way, if you're in the automobile industry, screw you. Reducing carbon emissions and saving billions of dollars in human productivity loss just sitting in traffic jams, as studies point out. Uh, I, 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 I contradict that. People I sitting in, I'm sitting in traffic jams from here to like San Francisco. I'm not going to take a high-speed rail. There isn't one. BART is slower than we're sitting in traffic. This, this, is, this, is, this is incredibly dumb. You know, this country is not really designed for, for rail travel. I mean, as soon as the airline showed up, everyone just jumped on that. Yeah, I was like, yay, finally we can get somewhere. Yeah, GE is bidding to supply new passenger locomotives for Amtrak and in November announced a joint venture in China that would make high-speed rail locomotives that may add 200 U.S. jobs. Yep. Oh, now, jobs. Lovely. A couple of things we should know. One, let's take Brazil, big, you know, the, one of the new up-and-coming countries, supposedly. They have no trains. 
Zero. They got like one train old chug chugs along on the coast somewhere that, that moves logs. There's no trains in Brazil. Okay, so let's start there. They don't. They never adopted them. They never wanted them to use but these huge unbelievably large buses. China's got no trains. If you want to go around China, I've been to China enough times because I said, well, I think it'd be cool to take a train from Beijing to Xiamen. And then you look, there's no trains. You have to fly, you know, one of the many multitude of little uh, carriers that they have split off from China Air. And that's the way they get around in China. The only place that has these high-speed trains, I mean, they don't have them in Canada. They don't have them anywhere in South America. They haven't got them in Russia. Russia doesn't have a lot of trains. Where do they have them? They have them in East in Western Europe, period. Yeah, and it's uh, it's mainly the French oh, trains. And Japan. Yeah, that's it. But to go name all those other countries. They, they have some crappy trains in India. You know, that have got people <laughs> hanging, hanging out hanging the off with them. <laughs> they, should, they should actually turn up the heat on those. They should speed those up a little bit. That's cool. Watch people <laughs> yeah, go flying off. <laughs> but that's it. I mean, this is this is old, old technology. I mean, I think there's a couple of places, some corridors, and they already have high-speed trains on them, even though they're not the good ones, uh, running from Philadelphia to Boston to Washington, D.C. to New York. I mean, that's the only place in the country where it's practical. Even a high-speed train from Chicago to New York, which you think some people might use once in a while is going to still take too long compared to the flight and the high-speed train from san francisco to la is why who's going to go on it who wants to go to l who's going to be commuting to la well but this this is where the whole fix is in john i mean the air travel is being made as uncomfortable as possible you have to go through the naked scanner you can't bring anything to drink you got to shut up and sit down don't touch your luggage be quiet you stupid slave you know, you're viewed as a terrorist before you can even, you know, you're just, you're just viewed as a terrorist no matter what. Take <laughs> off your shoes, put your shit on the belt, shut up, slave, don't drink, don't eat, don't bring anything, no, no, no breast milk, which you know I need a lot of. And, uh, and, the, and, and, they're, and they're scaring you to death. It's like, oh the, oh, you know, the guy put a box on his head and said a prayer. Oh, he could be dying. Turn the plane around. It's just nuts. So they're making that as unattractive as possible. By the way, who's hyping that up? The news media, uh, which would include NBC, which is owned by, uh, who are they owned by again? General oh, Electric. Right, General Electric, who's, who's going to be selling these high-speed trains, who just apparently got a sweetheart billion-dollar deal if you read the transportation lobby website, which I uh, which I have linked in the show notes at noagendashow.com, you really must read this. The most recent entry, Washington's newest gravy train, high-speed rail. Stimulus funds create lobbying frenzy. So there you go. The Taggart Express is coming your way. This is a fiasco. That, by the way, is a fine reference, which you didn't get. Hey. I got it. By Ayn Rand. Oh, Do we have to have that Ayn Rand plug in yeah, it along I with kind, the other I kind of like that at the end. Just listen to old Biden crank it up for the, the man who will bring you these jobs, because that, of course, is this is a part of the jobs bill. This is where the money's going to build high speed rail. In the future, we're making our communities more livable, all in the process. And, ladies and gentlemen, it's now my pleasure. To introduce the man who's leading us into this new era of intervention, the President of the United States of America. And the guy comes in like the Beatles. 
brother. There's like three minutes of applause. Everyone's going nuts. The man who's bringing it to you, ladies and gentlemen, the Rolling Stones. <laughs> He's awesome. Yeah, oh, Biden's a great opening act. So that's so it makes so much sense. It really does. Uh, everyone's in. Every it, the whole yeah, no, this scam is, this is, is set is, up. This this is going to be a huge money loser. Yeah, it's going to take forever. I mean, they, I mean, all the rails have been torn out. Some of the right of ways, I still, I still exist. But they, you know, they go through cities. High speed rail needs its own dedicated track that doesn't have any crossings. You know, usually the ones in France are buried. You have, you know, it's one of the worst rides. I mean, it's a nice fast ride, but you get on the thing, and the thing goes into a ditch. And then cranks the speed up to 300 miles an hour or whatever it hits. And then it's just, you're just flying along. And it's, but you can't, you look out the window, there's nothing but dirt because you're in this ditch that, you know, so they, so nobody, you know, so a cow doesn't wander onto the track. And then you finally get where you're going. It's one of the boringest rides you can take, especially in Europe. Yeah. So, meanwhile, I was doing some research on this because we have uh, one of our uh, contributors, uh, producers, as uh, in Kern, Kern Deutschland. Kern. And, uh, Kern. As in Cologne. And uh, so I read about the Thales, which is the high-speed train yes, that runs. Uh, that's, that's the French outfit. The French outfit is partly owned by the TGV folks. And I read that 1.2 billion passengers have, by the way, this is going to come up in the conversation. I guarantee it. And, the, and it's going to be the safety <clears throat> because there's this 1.2 billion passengers, 1.2 billion have traveled on the TGV and there has been no casualty to date. Mm hmm. Now, this is interesting, though, because they have had a couple of wrecks. And let me read you this one. I think you'll be interested in really? On, uh, yeah, there's been a couple. And this one here is the one that's most fascinating. Because on 11th October 2008, a Thales PBA set bound for Amsterdam collided with a local ICM train set at the Gouda station. Oh, now, I remember I, this actually, yeah. The Gouda station, I think that, that, that somebody got really cheesed off about ah! this. And <laughs> it was probably a right of way <laughs> violation. <laughs> okay. You know, you could actually do the Tonight Show with material like that. <laughs> You'd be great. By the way, it's Chauda. It's Chauda? Chauda. Say it's it with me now. No. <laughs> Come on, Chauda. It'll, it'll sound good when you Chauda. order Chauda. When you order your cheese, I'd like some Chauda, please. I'd like some Chauda. They're very good. So you, we were talking about pronunciations the other day. Well, let's go back to the train thing. We'll get yeah, back to, we'll get back to pronunciations later. But anyway, I thought, the, uh, but anyway, so there's a wreck there, and then there was a wreck in 1998 when a truck was hit by a Thales, and the driver was killed, but that was it. I think it's Thales, I think is how it's pronounced, actually. Yeah, it could be Thales. Thales. Uh, I have not been on, uh, on Thales. I know lots of people who have. Actually, yeah, I don't, I took the one, that's why I was bringing up Cologne, because I took the Thales from, from Cologne to Paris, and it's a nice ride. Yeah. No, but you're right. It's going to be so much better. Security's going to be better for you, but... I mean, is it really better, John? Is it really better than air travel? <clears throat> I don't think so. I mean, it depends. I mean, for example, if you're an American in Europe that, uh, you know, wants to get across the country and you want to see stuff, yeah, yeah the train's nice, a lot yeah. more interesting. Right. And if you're a European, for example, in Hamburg going to uh, Hanover, which is a 
the flight would and the hassle to get in and out of the airport, even without the hassle, would be about the same amount of time as the ICE train, which is a one hour straight shot. And so you could actually commute from Hamburg to Hanover, which is not close. And uh, so in Europe, we have all these these kind of metro centers all over the place, like in Germany. Uh, the train is much more convenient. There's one every 15 minutes. It's brum, brum, brum. You can, you know, it's it's very, it can, and the infrastructure is set up for it. The people are set up for it. The environment is set up for it. It is set up for it. It is optimized for trains. We are, are not. not. No, we're not. No, I, I don't understand how they're going to get the rail, a high-speed rail, no less, from Los Angeles to San Francisco. I just don't see it. you got to go over the grapevine. It's a huge mountain. They've always known this is the big problem. <clears throat> There's a huge mountain range between San Francisco yeah. and Los Angeles down in L.A., and it snows up there. But you know what, John? All we need is some Reardon metal, and it'll all work. Yeah, well, that's that could be that could be that could that could be a part of the whole thing, man. They got Atlas Shrug. They're plugging that again. Yeah, jeez. Anyway, so this trip to and the L.A. How many trains are they going to run a day? One of the great things about the European trains is that you can catch a train constantly. Like every 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 uh, every thirty minutes, there's uh, and some of the stations are loaded up with trains. I mean, you go from here to there and jump from one to another. I mean, it's an amazing uh, situation. We we're going to have the one crowd. Happy train to L.A., by the way, which isn't going to go from San Francisco to L.A. down the peninsula. That train you're going to catch in San Francisco is going to loop over to, to Modesto or Stockton to the guts of the state, the, the flatlands. And so it's going to take you forever to get to the, the real main line. And then it's going to shoot down to L.A. somehow and probably drop you off in the middle of nowhere. This is idiotic. Well, Richard Branson and should be really happy with his new airline. Extremely expensive. Yeah, extremely well, that's expensive. the other thing I wanted to say. In Gitmo Nation East, in in the United Kingdom, so the public transportation system, a lot of people rely on it very heavily. They discouraged all of the cars coming into London with the uh, congestion tax. Amazing, which is uh, I don't know what it is now, but it's probably close to twenty bucks if you were. To, thank you, darling. If you were to translate it into dollars, <clears throat> I think it's yeah, probably eighteen or nineteen dollars. Uh, but then you know you want to take the train. It's unaffordable. It's unaffordable, and they've ta- and the- and they've taken all the toilets out for safety, security reasons. What? Yeah, yeah. On the sh- on the short haul uh, stuff, they took all the toilets out. Why? Yeah, it was it was like a huge brouhaha. We talked about it. Uh, pregnant women were freaking out, and of course, nothing happens. You're like, oh, okay, freak out whatever you want. Just don't take the train. Then they took the toilets out. Because, you know, people were abusing the privilege. <laughs> what, peeing? I don't know. I don't remember anymore. I just know they took them out. It's crazy. It's, but it, the thing is, it's unaffordable. My daughter used to take the train to Guilford from, uh, from, uh, from London. And, uh, of course, she has to go during the... You have a peak hour price and an off-peak price. Yeah, Long Island Railway does the same thing. And, you know, it, the, it was like 20 pounds a day. So that's like, what a hundred hundred pounds for your work week. That's four hundred pounds a month. People can't afford that. It's like six hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah, for for and and this is a, with a pass. Just to get to and from work. Yes, yeah, and this is a pass. And of course, oh, then you travel on non-peak hours, which means you know you'll be late. Right, you'll be late, and you have to stay. Yeah, no, you have the peak hours is there for a reason. And 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 the service never runs on time. Uh, no, this is this is not this is not good. 
I'm, you know, the more I think about it, the more I'm liking that whole population control idea. I think those guys are onto something. Yeah, well, these guys are onto controlling our wallets. I mean, they're just going to break us. Who would you say, John? Um, in- I'm liking G and E, G E less and less as time goes <laughs> yeah, by. Really? Who would you say in American history is probably deemed the dumbest vice president? Or you can even put a president in there if you want, because it's going to be close. But I'm looking for a vice presidential name. You mean somebody recently, you're not talking about Millard Fillmore? No. Let me think, Dan Quayle? Yes, that would be exactly the one I'm thinking of. Uh, He, John, uh, is the chairman of global investments for Sibiris Capital Management which is uh, one of the most successful financial firms to date. And they are doing amazing work. And I, I just, I'm reading about this company, and I'm like, oh, my God. How can this, this dork actually be in one of the most successful financial companies there is? I mean, we're, we're talking like, you know, bigger than... Uh, even bigger than what Tyco was back in the day in the nineties. You know, this is like, this is like huge. And they recently did a very interesting investment. They bought the, and this is why, this is why it caught my eye. They bought this company called, I think it's a uh, Talacris for $82 million. And they just saw, and this is like six years ago and they just sold it. For almost two billion dollars, would you say that's a pretty good investment? I would think. So what? Do, what does this company do? And it's unfortunate you, you can't see the video for the commercial because it's even funnier. But just imagine uh, a lot of African American citizens. Uh, sitting in chairs with tubes hooked up to their arms. Earn over $200 this month while saving lives. Earning money and saving lives is easy when you donate plasma at Telechris Plasma Resources. We're looking for healthy people to become plasma donors. Your donations are needed to ensure our life-saving and life-enhancing therapies are available to the patients who need them. Your safety and comfort are our top priorities, and our talented staff is trained and has the expertise to make your donation as comfortable and convenient as possible. And you'll be compensated for your time for doing the right thing. By donating plasma, you can help save lives while earning over $200 this month. Telechris Plasma resources where we're saving lives one donor at a time so this is a plasma donation firm that literally sucks plasma out of poor people and they have a, a, a shot of an atm with money pooping out of it so like I, hey you know this is no a great idea they call the republicans blood suckers I, I can get me some i can just give up some of my plasma it's only 95 percent water and you give up your plasma, and of course, plasma is then used for rich people who can buy it, who need it. It's unbelievable. These literally are bloodsuckers. Literally. That's a good one. Dan Quayle. Dan effing Quayle, the guy who couldn't spell potato. Yeah, well. I wonder if he can spell plasma. Maybe. I was just blown away. And uh, there's a couple of links in uh, in the show notes that you definitely wanna wanna check out regarding this uh, this fine company. Uh, I think there was someone else on the board of directors. I'm always going to these websites, and and the first thing I do is I go to invest. This is what you really have to get into the habit of: go to the website, go to the investor resources, skip past all the marketing material, and look at the board of directors. Um, look at the uh, board of advisors. 
And you'll see how it all fits together. It's just a bunch of rich people bopping stuff back and forth amongst themselves. Plasma. Sucking plasma. Here's $200. Yay! <laughs> well, you know, good work if you can find it. You can't, I guess you can't make plasma, huh? Uh, there is an artificial that. plasma. Oh, there is. Mm. Nothing yeah. like the real thing, though. No, no, of course not. All right. So um, I got one. There's one other thing that's going on, which is kind of interesting. And I don't know. You know, they, this is not being promoted in a big national way because I think there's a, a large fear. <laughs> but it appears as though in this next uh, ballot, the n- November election here in California, we will have a, an initiative uh, on the ballot to legalize pot. Right. And it's going to be interesting to see how the public reacts to that because there's, you know, there, I don't know, you know, I think, I don't know where the money's going to fall uh, in terms of advertising, but as far as I'm concerned, they should legalize pot, but I think the whole uh, country is freaked out about the idea because, oh, what are we going to do for our prison labor? You know, we got to <laughs> arrest people. And yeah, well, yeah, if we can't arrest people for pot, well, we're going to arrest them for what? Yeah, I know they got to come up with something different, but maybe for having flat chests. There you go. But anyway, uh, why don't you play the uh, – I got a good clip here on it. It's a little long because it talks about the legalization process, but it also talks about something very funny happening in Oakland. A measure to legalize pot for recreational use will likely appear on the November ballot. Backers say that they've turned in 700,000 signatures for their initiative today, and that is nearly twice what they need to get it on the ballot. The measure would allow adults in California to have a small amount of pot and to grow a limited amount on their property. Local governments could then decide individually whether to legalize and tax it. If marijuana users need supplies, they can go to Oakland. That's where a mega warehouse dubbed the Walmart of Weed. <laughs> the Walmart of Weed? Yeah. I like it. <laughs> Open for business tonight. Robert Lyles on the high hopes for the growing venture. Robert? Dana Mega is right. Behind me is 15,000 square feet of everything you need to grow marijuana. And that's because the iGrow Warehouse store cannot sell marijuana. But you wouldn't be able to tell that from the line our cameras captured just a short time ago. And as you're about to see, because of some big store tactics being used inside, that just may lead to some mom-and-pop drug dealers. Wait a minute. Is this a place where you can go and grow your weed? Is that the whole idea? No, no. You buy the supplies. Oh, supplies. <laughs> you know, they've had these places, like there's one in Berkeley. They're all over the place. Of course, their cops watch them. And uh, they're hydroponic places. They can pick up hydroponic supplies. And, and, and it, it's all looks innocuous. They don't talk about growing weed. But you go in there, and, you know, and everybody in there is like Steve, the tech hippie. Oh, all right. Hey, man. He's a beatnik, by the way. Yeah, I heard that. So anyway, um, so they so they but these places have all been small. This apparently place is huge. It's like a, a Costco. Now, do they sell seeds as well? No, I don't think so. Maybe they, I don't know. You, I didn't you, go you, know, you know what's you know what's next though. I mean, I can already hear the commercial. Buy your buy your pot seeds from. <laughs> you know they're going to be that's making a the possibility. Yeah, I mean, this could be a whole setup. All right. <laughs> 
the moment the ribbon was cut, people streamed through the eight-foot-tall gates of iGrow, wide-eyed and ready to buy, on credit no less. I saw on the news where they do have finance lines, so I said, wow, I better come down here and see what the new business model is about. <laughs> the new business model. Here's how it works. You put the seed in the earth, you put some water on it, you grow the shit, you sell it, and then you start it from step one again. Oh, this is great. I grow is trying to do for marijuana growers what Home Depot did for homeowners. So instead of trying to be in the closet about it, we want to talk to you about it. Owner Darman says he's offering do-it-yourself courses on the right hydroponic pans, lights, and bottled nutrients for the optimal THB. There it is, the bottle nutrients. Ah, you watch it. You watch Monsanto's going to get in on this game. Going to put the drug dealers out of business. And apparently turn NASCAR dads into their own growers. Shoppers with medicinal marijuana cards admit growing in the basement could lead to selling their crops to dispensaries. Dispensary owners tried to downplay that fact. You should only grow a little bit in your own house. But obviously not everyone's going to heed that. I mean, a lot of money can be made um, selling it to dispensaries or selling it in other ways. This is great, John. The future of America is basically we all we all grow weed, we all sell it to each other, we get completely hammered and then get on the train. <laughs> exactly, because <laughs> we all want to get to the airport. Uh, yeah. Too much work. Too much work to go to the airport. Dude, I'm taking the train, oh, man. man. And, you know, and you know, the train has to go really fast because when you're a stone, everything seems so super slow, so it'll seem like normal. Yeah, you're like, exactly. That's eh, a normal speed. This is working good. And a warehouse like this seems to make that very possible. Well, it's already possible. There's lots of hydroponic stores, but this is more taxes and jobs for Oakland. But this place is like no other. There's a dock in the box. Yes, an MD is on staff, ready to recommend a cannabis card. That's actually the first step to cultivate. The reality is that our economy needs to be made up of a wide variety of different types of businesses. City Council member Rebecca Kaplan did not co-sign backyard sales, but curiously did not reveal this. Council member Rebecca Kaplan has been working on um, drafting an ordinance to allow more dispensaries in Oakland. Now, why is that important? Well, Oakland places limits on the number of dispensaries that operate within the city limits. It, that It is maxed out at four, and right now, all four are open and operating in the city. So if the councilwoman's ordinance goes through, meaning they would expand the limits here, that means this place stands to benefit. They already have plans of opening a dispensary right here in the parking lot. Dana? I can see they're going to make right. a lot. So, um... We got to figure this out because I'm a little confused. So it, it seems counterintuitive to, as you point out, the prison system, which they're all kind of all still jacked up about. You know, uh, was it like 70 or 80 percent of all people in prison is weed related? <laughs> so yeah, that's, it's so that's high. A, yeah, it's not a, that much, but it's well, high. It's high. And, uh, and the rest of the country is higher than it is in California. Well, because mainly because. California has in a de facto sense. I'm going to tell everybody out there listening to this show that California for some years now has become the Amsterdam of the United States. If you are a weed or dope smoker, I would recommend to move to California. You can get a card like they mentioned on the show. Uh, a, a card. I mean, there's doctors here in California that now they no, take they've one got the, look they've at got you the doc in the box. The doctor's on premises. 
Yeah, the doc in the box. The doctor will look at you and say, oh, oh man, you oh, need dude. some medical marijuana. <laughs> you need some weed, dude. <laughs> so he signs this card, and that's it. There's then the, the courts have said, okay, whatever. It's like a prescription, and you got this card. Now you can buy as much weed as you need from these dispensaries, which are all over the place, especially in San Francisco and Oakland. And, of course, the feds are kind of a little upset about this, but Obama promised to stop busting him, so they have to let it keep going. So this trend is not backing up. The You know, this going to move forward and it's going to be complete legalization unless I'm surprised by the vote. And so that means people everywhere across the United States, I know there's a lot of potheads out there, move to California. Please, we need to jack up our, our real estate prices. So uh, o- We need Oaksterdam. people to move to California. Yeah, Oaksterdam is uh, how Oakland now will be known. Well, Oaksterdam. you know what? Uh, this just proves, because you know, uh, this show, this very show was on the leading tip of stonedness. I was hammered for the first year and a half of doing this show, and until I gave it up. And yeah. uh, so once again, we're on the leading tip. Now everyone's doing it. Yeah, and we're we've and already it, moved on. Well, we the dope there. <laughs> you know what? It, it's it's cool for a little while. But after 12, I think if these people want to smoke it, I mean, there's people that are potheads. They can't not be stoned all the time. You know, I'll tell you, I was stoned for 12 years. It was pretty nice. Yeah, well, I mean, that's fine for you. I mean, other people, you know, don't tolerate it or they don't like it or whatever. But it's beside the point. But the people want to smoke or they want to have a glass of cognac. I think it's up to them. And California, I'm telling everybody out there right now, we need to get our property prices back up. And we need you stoners to move to California and buy <laughs> houses. I mean, buy weed. And weed, too. Yes. Don't forget that there's weed. I think this is just this is a stepping stone. This is a a, a multi-year project because the next step is to legalize heroin. It's got to be something like that. It makes no sense. They're cutting into their own into their own their own drugs. Um, well, something's up. But we'll see what happens with the election. This is a test market. We're in California. It happens to be the test market for this. And, um, you know, I don't know what would be next. I mean, I know for that they tried to legalize prostitution in San Francisco in the last election cycle. And the citizenry said no. And so that it's possible that the state will vote down the legalized marijuana thing and it will just maintain. But still, the medical marijuana thing is always going to be here. And there's all these doctors that will sign off on anyone. So you can still get it, but it's not going to be the same as, you know, picking up a pack of smokes, you know, at the local uh, Walgreens. Well, we're always keeping our eye out for future trends here on No Agenda. And the trend is buy weed and buy houses. <laughs> Speaking yeah, the houses of, are cheap. Speaking of which, I'd like to be able to pay for mine, uh, and uh, we could use, certainly use your help. I don't know how you're doing, John, on your mortgage payments, but uh, there's not a lot coming from, <laughs> coming from our audience. No, uh, except for our executive producers, and I want to mention some of our uh, contributors and producers this week. Uh, I'll reiterate: C- Stephen Pelsmacher, David Bailey, and Elon. Seamus, uh, or executive producers, but the other uh, donations are pretty 
scarce this week. Uh, we got 55-55 from somebody named Anonymous who wants us to read the book Stones Into Schools by Greg Mortensen. Uh, oh, Stone Into Schools? Stones Into Schools. It's about the uh, Pakistan-Afghanistan situation. He's uh, concerned that we're caving into the Taliban who are horrible people. No, we're not caving into them. We're settling with them. We're, we're, we're paying them off. The UN is having all these secret meetings. It's like the the war is over. The war is over. Yeah, well, read the book. I'm gonna. Uh, I know you will. Yeah. Also, Mark Mark Honeyman in Victoria, Australia, who actually happens to be one of my editors on the blog, says I need to be mentioning the blog more. Dvorak.org/blog. He says mention Dvorak.org/blog more. So I have to do that. Uh, he gave us fifty. Brian, it's either Junk or Junk. J U N C K. I don't think it's junk. Uh, <laughs> junk. <laughs> hey, man, how's your junk? Hey, Coatesville, Pennsylvania. Gave a 60. Matthew uh, Bickert, uh, Nazareth, Pennsylvania, interestingly enough, gave a 62. What a coincidence. Proof of the random number theory. Got two people from Pennsylvania. Never before we get anyone from Pennsylvania. Both, Both gave $62. 60. Yeah, interesting. 60, even. Oh, $60. Uh, uh, Oliver Kiesler, K-I-E-S-S-L-E-R in Köln. The Cologne, uh, Germany, Deutschland. Uh, he gave us fifty dollars and one cent, which is and, uh, a one-way ticket on the high-speed rail. I don't know how far you get for fifty bucks on that thing. Uh, Jonathan D. Norris, Legrand, Oregon, uh, sent us a hundred and eight, and that's it. That's all we got. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Normally, it's like a four-minute segment. That's it. Yeah, it was. It's a short Jesus. segment. In fact, All normally right. I wouldn't. Yeah. Well, well I, obviously, I do want to thank everyone who's contributed, and especially our executive producing uh, production team. Um, but you can tell that uh, consistently in 2010, and maybe it's just you know, maybe it's just the economy. Maybe it's the fact that more and more people are losing their jobs. I don't know, but we're about to lose ours. Yeah, I, the, the, the 2010 has not been profitable. Not Luckily, great. we're getting uh, enough $5 people who, yeah. who uh, subscribe, which I would recommend to everyone. Well, so the five, yes, it, no matter what you're donating, please sign up for the $5 a month plan because in uh, about 20 years, that will actually be a sustainable amount for us to continue. Because what is it now, John? If 20 I, years. If I count all the $5 donations per month, what are we at, like 900 bucks? Uh, I'm going to have to uh, run uh, the database and f- figure out how many people subscribe. I can't what be we far need, off. I can't be we, far off. We need, uh, the way I see it, uh, 5,000 people, 5,000 subscribers, which is not a lot, by the way, for on a subscription thing. I mean, a magazine you, you picks up you know, millions. We need 5,000 uh, subscribers at $5 to sustain doing this show uh for as long as you want to listen to it. I mean, we could go on forever because that would be a baseline that would sustain us. All right. Let me let me mention two things. First of all, I'm very upset. And again, this is because we're, you know, all we do is this show. I mean, it's just the two of us. We have other jobs. So there's just not enough hours in the day to do everything. And I missed an email from Bryden, uh, no agenda listener from Perth, Western Australia, who's also an optics researcher from UWA. He was in town for the Votonics, Photonics West Conference at the Moscone Center, a stone's throw away. And he said, I figured I'd take the opportunity to say hello, and if you had time to buy you a beer and give you a cash no agenda donation. He says his lab has done a small amount of work on the terahertz imaging systems, which, of course, I'm highly interested in, going back to our conversation about Rife, uh, Royal Raymond Rife. 
And I missed him. He was in town Friday, and I didn't get the email until I'm prepping it last night. And I just I, I overlooked the email. If, if we had like an intern at least, I, I wouldn't have missed that opportunity. Oh yeah, I got ton. I don't have a secretary I hate either. That. I hate that. It's and like, there's a ton of stuff that comes through that I miss, and I find out about it later, or I do a search on my inbox, and I say, Oh, well, oh, you sent yeah. me this a month ago. <sighs> I know. It it really upsets me. But it has to, you know, it's like every, lots of people offer to do work like that, but it, you can't do that with someone who's remote. You got to have, you know, someone in the office in at least a couple times a week who's really going through uh, the mail and, and, and doing all the follow up on stuff. There's a lot of work, you know, and by the way, I wouldn't mind someone else pulling some of these clips from C-SPAN. You know, we sat uh, yesterday, we sat through uh, the M an MSNBC interview following up on a lead that Bill Gates uh, CNBC, actually, that Bill Gates had apparently talked about population control in relation to vaccines. So we watched through what, like an hour, an hour of Maria Bartiromo with this Bill and Melinda Gates? the worst interview ever. <gasps> and there was like nothing. We could pull nothing from that interview. An hour. An hour will never get back, ever. It's gone. <laughs> Wasted. So, uh, yeah, that was... Uh... So Ryan, uh, I'm going to say it's breed love could be braid love but breed love had a very interesting idea he wa he really wants to see us get to a third show a week and he had a an idea which i think is is i'd like to entertain it with you john before we announce we're going for it so everyone else just pretend you're not hearing this so he's saying look if if there will be a way to get you enough funds to do a third show for the rest of the year then maybe we can set up something with uh, an ongoing program that would work. And he he did some very simple math, and it's based all on the magical number three. And this is why I like it. So, of course, we're talking about the third show, The Drive for Three. I'm going to cite from his email. In recent weeks, the power of three has been talked about. I have a suggestion to build off of that. Start a pledge drive to get the third show going. Ask for donations of $33.33 or any multiple of that, with a goal of reaching 3,333 donations of $33.33 each on a deadline of March the 3rd, which, of course, is the third day of the third month. And that would, get, would be enough to get a third show a week going, hopefully enough for you to afford enough hookers and blow for that third show a week. And I thought to myself, it's interesting if we could actually, and it's not, you know, considering the size of the audience, if, uh, if for a month... So essentially up until the third of the third, we just pitched the idea of $33.33, a one-time donation. If we cannot get 3,333 listeners to do that, then we might as well pack it up. And if we do, then we continue the drive, John, except we set a goal of every three months. Every three months, we have to get 3,333 donations of $33.33 each, and that would be enough for us to continue this show three days a week. It's, uh, yeah, it sounds complicated. Um, <laughs> hey, thanks. <laughs> I like the idea. Yeah, it, it has a, symbol, a symbolic aspect to you it. You don't like it, do but, you? But, you know, well, no, the reason is because we went through all this rigmarole over the $30, you know, and it's... But it's the, power, it's the magical power of three. It would prove the theory. It would disprove it, I think, but... Uh, well, I mean, let's, we'll chat about it. Maybe we'll bring it up on uh, Thursday. We'll you hate pull. it. You hate it. I can hear it all. You hate it. Okay, you hate it. 
I got it. It's not that I hate no, it. No, you got. I got it. I got it. Well, what's your plan, big boy? Going well. Hey, hit that website again, everybody. Donate. Noagendashow.com, Dvorak.org slash NA, ChannelDvorak.com slash NA. Yeah, John, your system's working real good. So uh, if people would go to it, I think it would. <sighs> and you also go to ChannelDvorak.com yeah, slash NA. I hit that. I hit that. No, 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 no. I hit that. Okay, you don't like it. I got no, it. No, I'm just saying. I got it. Just, I, I, got think, it. I got I think it. It's, I think it's ambitious. There's a, uh, all right, moving right along. Noagendashow.com, Dvorak.org slash NA, and ChannelDvorak.com slash NA. Please uh, donate freely as much as you can. And uh, when you do, consider to sign up for a $5 a month plan. So there's an ongoing annuity, as it's known in the financial world. Yes, and we also want to thank people who give smaller amounts. And also, if anyone absolutely positively wants to re- remain anonymous without risking uh, an error, uh, you can always donate $49.99. Hey, you know, uh, just quick throwback to the flat-chested women in Australia. By the way, all flat-chested women of Australia, we love you. We welcome you on this show. You are not outlawed by our standards. Um. You know, this whole idea that that constitutes child pornography, which, you know, is, is such bull crap. It's really pissing me off the more I think about it. Do you know how many women are just flat-chested? You know, we have this fake sense of, of, of womanhood has to be big breasts. It's crazy. And, and you know my theory that uh, people who talk about this and talk about child pornography usually are the, uh, the child molesters themselves who are rampant throughout government. One of our producers sent me a very interesting list, which is the Worldwide Ages of Consent list. So it lists by age how old you have to be to legally have sex in countries around the world. Um, as you can uh, imagine, uh, some of them are actually quite low. 14 years old in, uh, in places like India, Honduras, even Germany apparently. I think France is like 14. Let me see what France says. Uh, 15. 15. But the, uh, the one that really got me, because it is its own official little country, is the Vatican State. They have women? The Vatican... This is not about male or female. This is just what's the age of consent. Yeah. Vatican State, in order to legally have sex, the age is 12. <laughs> 12. So, yeah, you know, now <laughs> it's, you have it. <laughs> it's starting to make sense all of a sudden. 12. It's, I'm not kidding. It's right here on this list. You have to be 12. Friggin' pedophiles. <laughs> 12. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it used to be something like 12. I think somebody can correct us in the chat room who happens to be from New Mexico. I think it used to be 12 or, or 13 or something like that in New Mexico. Uh, the state of New Mexico until recently. I have the states here as well. Hold on. New Mexico, 17. Actually, it's older than the most states. Most states in the U.S. is 16. Yeah, I said the states on the West Coast is 18 because they don't want anybody having sex out here. Yeah, and certainly not without your Trojans and without your KY. Because, you know, sex without your KY is just no good. Mm-mm. If you don't have some kind of caffeine-induced lube on your member, it ain't going to work. 
Uh, something our producer Alex, who is a financial wizard uh, working in the United uh, States of Gitmo East, UK, has been tracking for me. We've been back and forth on email. I haven't really been, been wanting to talk about it just yet, but there is a crisis in the sugar markets. Have you been following this with uh, no. our friend Horowitz? No. Yeah, well, there's been so a lot of the uh, the crop yields have essentially floundered, uh, particularly uh, disappointing monsoon season in India, too much rain in Brazil, um, and uh, there's been a whole bunch of and and it's, it's, it, I'll see if I can put some of it in the show notes. He's really analyzed this because I think he is a commodities trader. And there's been a lot of really interesting acquisitions and all kinds of moves. And what he said to me two weeks ago is, you watch, Monsanto's coming out. It's going to be some kind of amazing new sugar substitute product. Uh, but sugar, natural sugar, is going away because it's unaffordable. It's a huge crisis. Well, this is no good. No. Uh, no, it's a, it's, we it's got already, a, they're already, you know, there's, there's, if, if there, you know, the information starts to come out every once in a while, then it gets squashed again by various PR firms, which is that, that high fructose corn syrup. And there's plenty of documentation for this is not digested properly and it makes you fat and it gives you diabetes and it does all these other things. And oh God, here comes the letters. Here comes the letter. No, no, that's not true. The research shows otherwise. And all it is is fructose and glucose and, you know, or sucrose. And the, it, the whole thing is, completely out of control. I was at the store the other day, and I want to tell people out there, and this is one of the reasons just to be reminded to do this is why you should be donating to the show. Look at the labels of the food you buy. Look at every single label and look very carefully. If you see that it's got high fructose corn syrup in the... Put it back. Put it back. Put it back, but ask yourself, what is it doing in there? I was looking... I was looking at some liquid smoke and by the way the best liquid smoke out there if you if you're going to buy liquid smoke <laughs> i produce that every morning <laughs> liquid smoke what the liquid hell is that smoke, the best liquid smoke is colgens what do you use liquid smoke for you use it to uh, you use it as a it's a flavoring ingredient or or to fake barbecue why don't, why don't you just smoke something Sometimes you don't, it's raining out or you want to just fake it and put it in the oven and make it taste like it was smoked. You use liquid smoke. Or if you want to add some, a few, uh, you know, shakes of liquid smoke to some baked beans, it's unbelievably tasty. Or liquid smoke, smoke to tomato paste. If you're going to make pizza, it tastes fantastic. Why not anyway. make real smoke? I don't get it. Just well, you're not going to smoke a tomato. Give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> I've smoked so, a lot of, th- I smoke cockroaches. I smoked a lot of things, John. So anyway, the best brand is Colgen. But but that's the so I'm looking at the they don't have it in the West Coast. They have it imported it's from Texas, I think. But anyway, so I, I'm using Wrights, which is tastes more. It has a ashtray flavor that's not appealing. But I'm looking at the label of the stuff right next to it. Stubs, and there's no. I'm looking where's the smoke in this stuff? It's it, ingredients. Can, and by the way, an ingredients on most labels in the United States are done in the order of the of the amount. So the first thing listed is the most that's in there. Okay. There's, there's more of that than the second thing listed, which is less than the first and on the way to the end. So the first thing listed on the Stubbs liquid smoke is soy sauce. What is that liquid smoke? And then there was some sort of some sort of corn syrup. I mean, where's the smoke? The rights, at least, is just smoke. I mean, that's what you want to be and buying. The, and the I, soy sauce, of course, is based on Monsanto soybeans. 
Yeah, I'm sure. So anyway, so the whole thing, I'm so I'm looking at all these different products in the condiment section, and everything's got uh, high fructose corn syrup in it, with rare exceptions. But you look, and it's like high fructose corn syrup. There's, it, I've run into like tuna cans, you know, good quality. You think tuna, and you read, and this has got tuna, and then soy. Uh, Tofu. It's got soy products or something in there. What is soy products doing in my it's, tuna? It's another Monsanto product. What's it doing in my tuna? Why can't they just give me tuna? I don't want all this other crap. Because, because we're trying to genetically modify you. It's unbelievable. I mean, everybody out there should look at these labels. I think I went to this, and this is a store, a high-end store with a lot of organic stuff. Oh, not Whole uh, Foods. Whole Foods has got as much of this or more. I know. I know. I'm. 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 I'm not happy with uh, with my Whole Foods experience. I. I don't think that. I think these guys are full of crap. It's called uh, Poland. Michael Poland, the writer who talks about this stuff, calls it big organic. You know, just like big business. It's not. You know, they're not interested in your health. Health. No. And so, uh, so they, you know, they're pushing canola, they're pushing soy, which is another thing I don't like. But anyway, but this high fructose corn syrup thing is completely out of control. They rarely, every once in a while, I run into something that says sugar. I go, holy crap. Real sugar. This has sugar in it? <laughs> in fact, Pepsi has made it, you know, they brought out a Pepsi throwback or whatever, which uses sugar. I'm sure it's, it's selling real, out. Real sugar. Yeah. Well, it's going to get real expensive now with the sugar crisis. Well, this crisis could be artificially created. I mean, the whole thing, it seems like anything that has to do with sugar that for the last 10 years has been, there's a scam involved exactly. pushing this high fructose corn syrup garbage, I'm gonna, which is made I'm in a refinery, yeah. by the way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forward you the email uh, thread from Alexis, uh, or Alex, as, uh, as I call him, and uh, you'll see. Yes, it is a scam. It's artificially created crisis. They're, they're buying up stuff. They're closing plants down after they buy them up all kinds of weird stuff so i would recommend people created. look on those labels look on every label if you see high fructose corn syrup reject the product there you know i've run into like tomato sauce you run it or tomato paste there's some of them you look at the label and it says high fructose yeah. well no you say you look at one label it says contents tomatoes yeah that's what you want <laughs> to buy that, that, that would make sense if i'm going for tomato paste but you look at the other one, it's got all kinds of crap in it. It's like, why am I buying tomato paste that's got anything but tomato? All I want is the tomato part. I don't want all this other junk. I can put junk in the food as I cook it. It's ridiculous. Wow. You, I can, think, the, you can push the pet peeve. Yeah, that's what I thought. Well, John, speaking of artificially created, uh, I know that, uh, and we put this on the stream whenever there's a new episode once a week, the uh, Dvorak Horowitz Unplugged, which is a... Uh, a show about uh, you know you two guys basically talking about the, the stock market and how stuff is going. It's interesting though because well, first of all, you totally become the crackpot on that show, which is you know you're ripping me off, but that's okay. Uh, I like it kind of. It makes me feel proud. Yeah. Um, but there's you know the uh, the the you markets. You have no peer, sir. Well, <laughs> you're no listen. You're no Jack Kennedy either. Okay. So um, I think I've found out what you guys should have hit upon, and it makes so much sense now that I understand it. So the market has been going down. I mean, it's it's really it's tanking, right? It's it, 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 seven days in a row or something consistently down market, down market. We're almost at ten thousand now, which is a significant drop from uh, just it's a few adjusting. weeks ago. Well, let me tell you what's going on, and it took me a while to figure it out. So what we've seen now is we have uh, uh, Timmy Geithner. 
who is essentially being, uh, I, I still think, thrown under a bus. I'm like, ah, screw this guy. We've got to get rid of him anyway. He's a weak pussy. Who, of course, is uh, affiliated with the Federal Reserve um, um, through his work at the New York Federal Reserve and his uh, hundreds of phone calls to Hank Paulson. Of course, Hank Paulson, all part of the uh, uh, Goldman Sachs cabal, which includes, um, what's his face, Bernanke. And all these guys were all Goldman Sachs. So um, the president announced his, uh, his new banking reform which is known as the Volcker Plan. Now, Paul Volcker was, um, and even Ron Paul kind of likes uh, Paul Volcker, if you read his book, End the Fed, and that's, of course, why I'm like, oh, all right, so this guy might be better than we thought he was. He's not just a, another one of these asshole bankers. Uh, he was the head of the Federal Reserve before Greenspan, so that was the days of Carter, I'm going to say. That makes sense? Back in the 20s, it back, seems like. <laughs> he's been around for a while. So he comes out with the Volcker Plan, which uh, essentially, you know, could lead to uh, a Glass-Steagall being brought in. Uh, you'll recall that during this whole emergency uh, bailout and the world was going to come falling down on our heads and there would be rioting in the streets, uh, all of a sudden Goldman Sachs became a bank instead of just an investment firm so they could actually borrow money from the Federal Reserve. And these are really high concepts, but it's, it, it's worth it trying to figure some of this stuff out because, hey, after all, it's our money and we're getting screwed with it. Volcker is not a Goldman guy. He is, in fact, a J.P. Morgan Chase guy from way back in the day. He's always been affiliated with Chase Manhattan, which now, of course, is J.P. Morgan Chase. And I believe what is going on right now, and of course, we are the victim in the middle, if you have a 401k for sure, is that there is an all-out war going on between two fractions, J.P. Morgan Chase and the Goldman Group. Probably the ex-Lehman guys, too. Yeah, well, Lehman guys are right on board, of course, because you know they got brought down. They were the first ones to get screwed by uh, by uh, Goldman, by by Goldman, i.e., Hank Paulson. And if you look at it, we literally have these two groups. And I think if you look at the markets, because we know that you know seventy percent of the of the market activity up until just recently, I guess, is. Uh, created by this high volume trading that Goldman Sachs is doing, which is flash trading. Flash trading, yeah. Everyone's kind of like, ah, oh, you know, what, you know, well, they're, they're doing it. Yeah, whatever. It's obviously, they've, they've, they have. I think, and I don't want to sound like the crackpot here, but I'll do it anyway. Please, I think that they have found some computer programmers. They're plugged right in to the system, so they get to buy and sell stuff on the fly on the computer. They've somehow deconstructed the way the models. The way the the the, the uh, trading models work in such a way that they can flash trade and move stocks in any direction they want. So if the market goes up, it's because they're turning. It's like turning a knob. Let's run the market up. Yeah, they can't do right. it to, to an extreme, but they can do it just enough. They, that's why it goes it goes up, 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 day after day after day after day, and then they say, "Ah, turn it down," and they go down, 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 down uh, with this uh, flash trading model that they have. I think there's something corrupt about it. That's why I think people have been killed and people have yes. stolen the code and all the rest of it. Yes, well, so so here's what's happening. The the JP Morgan guys don't have these programmers. It takes a while to get all this stuff together and make it all work. They're tired of this crap. They're tired of Goldman, they're tired of uh, Lloyd Blankfine Blankfine going, "Oh, we're doing God's work." And so now they've got Volcker in there and they're like, "You know what? We're going to screw these guys. They're going to start outlawing all of this stuff. There's going to be regulations against it." And of course, the market is is completely fake. 
You know, it's 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 completely manipulated. There's no real uh, fundamental basis to it. That's why it's coming down right now. It's a war between the Goldmans and the Chases, and of course, the J.P. Morgan Chase uh, have always been friends with the Rockefellers, uh, with the uh, Rothschilds. I'm sorry. So we've got the and don't make no mistake. There's competition between banks. They may all go. They may all go sit around the White House table, but there's real competition. They really hate each other. And uh, I, if you're in the market, get out. That's <laughs> uh, get out. Yeah. You know, we had Goldman had the naked shorts, front running the market. You know, Ponzi schemes essentially. This this flash trading. I'm telling you that there is a all in all out war going on. And you need if you're in the market, you need to get out as soon as possible. And uh, that's my story. Hey, I, I, I have a follow up. I think it's a bear trap, personally, but go ahead. I ha- a what? A bear, a bear trap? trap? No, 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 no. I, I, I believe in these wars. Why is Volcker in there all of a sudden? He's put in there because he's on the he, J.P. Morgan Chase are not small. Okay, these guys are not small. They do all the debit cards for food stamps. These guys are pretty big too. It's just that they're you know they don't they don't have the flash trading stuff. You are not going to believe it when it comes to actual journalism in the two-to-the-head category. I don't think it's out yet, but the new Maxim magazine has in-depth reporting on Mike Connell. And this is a guy that we wondered what happened to the story. I think we were just talking about it the other day. This is the IT guru who ran the shadow email system for Bush, Karl Rove, and uh, Cheney. And you recall that uh, his uh, single airplane, Piper Saratoga, by the way, the same model that uh, JFK Jr. was flying, plunged from the sky unexpectedly on his way home. Yeah, it broke up in the sky. They know that much. Yeah. Well, that means there had to be a bomb on board. Well, what's interesting is there's, uh, the uh, NTSB has still not released an official uh, report, and they, it's all online. They always have all of the reports. You can see what happened. Uh, it's very important for pilots to be able to read this and learn from mistakes. So they've still not actually released that information. But his widow is livid, is livid. Her name is Heather. Uh, and in this uh, art, this uh, article, which is I don't think it's out yet, Maxim Magazine, she says, quote, I have pieces of my husband's brain, says I picked them up with my hands six days after the crash, chunks of his skin and internal organs. How can that be a proper investigation? How is that acceptable? She says his, his Blackberry phone numbers, notes, files, contacts, all of it was gone, even though his backpack was found still zipped up with the matching Bluetooth earpiece inside. Uh, they, so she says, along with the, Mike's sister, Shannon, convinced he was murdered. And uh, I'm reading, I think it's uh, the Brad blog is where I got this from. Um. There's a couple of uh, interesting little facts about uh, about this investigation. Hold on a second. Where's uh, uh, can't find it. Uh, but essentially, oh, here it is. The, the night the night of the crash scene, which would normally be roped off and investigated in daylight, was lit by towers 
photographed and documented by officials from the NTSB and the FAA. Then Connell's plane was hastily removed to a secure hangar hangar under the cover of darkness. By 6 a.m., the investigators had vanished, leaving behind a trail of debris and now, of course, one very angry widow. Um, During his, his calls to the tower as he was on final approach... A Greentown Fire Department official is quoted as, as explaining he was told, quote, the tower was in lockdown at the time. No information was available. The guy was murdered. And this, of course, goes back to the 2004 uh, rigged elections. And it uh, looks like O'Connell uh, was, uh, was going to blow the whistle and had lots of information to back it up. Of course, the question now is, did he have some kind of shadow system or copy somewhere which would have a lot of this incriminating evidence. Yeah, you got to be careful. <laughs> got to be real careful. <laughs> no kidding. If you got incriminating evidence, you better have some way of making sure that if something happens, it gets out. Generally speaking, you know, with ha- you know, you've run into a situation where they're going to kill this poor guy, and they, you know, they they end up holding the information that he had, or the, maybe it's on the BlackBerry or whatever. I don't know. Well, that's why I have a dead man switch. You don't have one. I don't talk about anything like that. Oh, I have one. The problem with me is I don't have anything of value in terms of information. Oh, no, I've got all the goods. Essentially, I'm just making suppositions. I'm on the show with you. I do the same research. I find the same data that anyone else can find if they actually spend the time on Google. But I haven't got the goods on anybody. If I was a guy like Mike Connell, what I would have done is I'd have a dead man switch, which essentially is a server somewhere that's waiting for a ping every month. And if it doesn't get an email from me or if it doesn't, if I don't Twitter a a certain word or something like that, it will then automatically fire off a huge zip file filled with all my documents to a number of uh, predetermined email addresses. That's what I do. I'd spam it. (laughs) I just send it to everyone. I came across an interesting uh, article and it caught my eye because I've been to this place uh, known as the Von Helding Estate. Have you ever heard of this, John? No. The Von Helding estate is, and I think it was an AIDS Project Los Angeles benefit. It's, uh, it's, it's, this, um, there's this guy named Ronald Ede, E-A-D-E. And he, uh, he's one of these, uh, he called himself, uh, I don't know if he called himself that or what the deal was, but Bar- Baron Von Helding. And essentially he was one of these Hollywood movers and shakers and he'd always use his, uh, Von Helding estate for charities. And uh, that's, you know, it's one of these typical, beautiful, you know, Hollywood type places. Well, he suicided himself the other day um, after FBI officials, um, either they caught him or they, no, I guess what they tried to do is they, they, he had tried to sell a picture of an underage teenage, a 15 year old boy. No, wait a minute. He allegedly had offered a 15-year-old boy money if he posed nude in pictures. And then the FBI broke down his gate to the Von Helding estate. When you see the picture in the show notes at noagendashow.com, it's like this thing was rammed uh, by something big. <laughs> Why don't they just wait for him to go walk outside? Well, it gets worse because then they tear gas the place. They tear gas the place. Well, just wait for him to go to the store. Uh, and, uh, Does this make any sense to anybody? No, this is why I'm mentioning it. And then, and then, so they, you know, after it's tear gas, they go in and oh, he shot himself in the head. Uh, twice, by the way. 
He shot and, himself twice in the he, head? No, I'm, uh, he shot himself. It doesn't no. say twice. I'm just making that up. Um, no. But there's something really but they're, they're, weird. They're, they're, they do have these twice in the head guys. It's, yeah, yeah, no, but it's weird. This is just weird. First doesn't of all, sound, something sounds fishy. And, you know, I'm telling you, this shit going on in Hollywood that is, you know, this, this, they tried to railroad Michael Jackson with this, uh, with this child pornography crap. They're always doing this to people. So I think this guy had some information or some goods on somebody. Something was going on. There was a reason for it. But the SWAT team was involved. I don't, you're the right. SWAT what? team? Yes. Wait, wait, let me get this straight. The guy supposedly or allegedly offered some kid. Uh, no, I, I've, got, I've got the story. I've, dude. I've got the story. On December 23rd, yeah, I'll read the news report. Uh, the boy was at Ede's home when he allegedly was shown photos of other teens. Ede also reportedly took four shots of the 15-year-old with his shirt off. The FBI monitored two phone calls, coincidentally, between the teen and Ede on January 14th, where he was allegedly, where he allegedly asked the boy to pose nude for private photos. Ede described a photograph series that he sold to Gloria, some client of his, I guess, which depicted a different minor teenage boy posing as a cowboy and a bucking bronco type of guy. So, um, Ede ran inside the house when agents showed up with an arrest warrant about 2 p.m. on Thursday. The agents heard a gunshot, they say. But, but, but they broke down the gate. The FBI SWAT team and deputies entered the home at 745. They had like a five-hour standoff <laughs> and found Ede with an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. No prior convictions. The guy was involved in all kinds of AIDS charities, HIV prevention programs. You know, he was an, it was like an upstanding, he was a little kooky, but, you know, call himself Baron Von Helding. Uh, which, of course, was kind of a joke. But it was, you know, this place was used for movie shoots, parties, weddings, fundraisers, and now the guy shoots himself over some picture. And the gate's broken down. And it's not, this is like a, a four-section gate. This is not like, you know, like a little rickety, you know, p white picket fence. Yeah, it sounds like they had to get to him real fast for some reason. He must have had something on somebody. I mean, it doesn't, otherwise it doesn't make any sense. You wouldn't do that. You would just wait. Well, this is interesting. Or, or chop. Why don't they fly in a helicopter and drop somebody off? Why do they have is, to wreck is, the place? This is why I don't like it. Uh, FBI's uh, Eid's roommate, Damien Dmitrikovsky. Hmm. Mm, hmm. Russian. Ah, maybe there was some spy stuff involved. I'll investigate. I just thought that was, because I've been there. I'm like, wow, <laughs> that's kind of weird. Yeah, the story's fishy. Yeah, to say the least. Uh, well, that's depressing. That's a good way to end the show. No, we don't have to end the show just yet. Uh, I wanted to give you a little follow-up on the Vancouver false flag reports that we're following. Oh, yeah. Vancouver, if anybody hasn't been listening to the show, and they should be listening every show we do, yes. uh, we suspect there's going to be a false flag. Uh, well, uh, and we've kind of uh, glommed onto this. A couple of our producers have been releasing information consistently. And so, the, so it starts off kind of with uh, this uh, ammonium nitrate gone missing. Now, the amount of ammonium nitrate is a little um, sketchy. I think it's actually 2,000 pounds that, that was missing. And out comes a report. That would be a ton. That would be a ton, right? Not 6,000 6, tons. But a ton, I think you could still do some damage, don't you think? I would hope so. Yeah. Uh, so, a report, so, so we start reporting on this stuff, passing it along, essentially, reading. 
And uh, the Vancouver Sun says, oh, don't worry about it. Um, the two, uh, they talk about two tons of powerful explosive ammonium nitrate that were missing Wednesday afternoon have now been found. Well, uh, everything's over then. I Maybe it's because it was yeah. a clerical error, said the sergeant. Oh, no, it's just we just we just miscounted something. So this was on the 6th which is actually after we even... So someone sent me this and said, oh, no, no, this is uh, wrong. They found it. But then I go to Canada.com, and hey, on January 7th, the company determined the discrepancy was the result of a clerical error. Mounties have been investigating the company's assessment since then, but still have been unable to confirm the accounting discrepancy. So this stuff is still gone. It's still oh. missing. So the Mounties are still on the case. And uh, and if you look at all the companies, all the people who were involved with the security around Vancouver and the knowledge that the agreement now between Canada and the United States is if there is a terror attack, U.S. troops will come marching across the border to take control. <sighs> you know that that's... Uh, that doesn't sound right. Canadians have their own forces. Yeah, but they've shut down the government. Remember, we've got that part conveniently. Now, I think you were doing some research on some of the some of the officials involved here that they have a, a, a kind of a sketchy background. Yeah, I'm looking for the name of the guy. Um, the guy who was in charge of the drill and it was a consultancy, by the way, um, the drill that was taking place in the United Kingdom in London the day of the terror attacks on 7-7. Let's see if I can find this. I'm going, to, I'm going to find his name and put it in the show notes. That guy is responsible for some of the security up there right now. You know, it's like it can't get any kookier. Then, so I'm on this thing, right? And I'm like, and I'm looking at all of these. And maybe this is a red herring. It would make so much sense because, I mean, there's so many clues. It, someone's got to be laughing at us. It's either that or they're just so blatantly arrogant they don't care anymore. It's like, we're just going to do whatever we want to do. Yeah, probably the latter, because nobody seems to pay much attention. Well, I'm uh, trying to fire up a YouTube video here. Uh, here we go. So the movie 2012, let me just start it. The movie 2012, uh, you know, there's all kinds of horrible things going wrong in, uh, in the world. And listen to their reference of British Columbia in this movie about a terror attack. For, uh, <laughs> So right now there's an earthquake. It's expected to be well over two billion people. The devastation in Rio de Janeiro is beyond imagination. That's the earthquake in Rio de Janeiro. I haven't seen the movie, so I'm just taking this at face value. Now listen to the dialogue in a second as these two uh, officials get into it. So they're still showing. There you go. So the world is coming down. The Olympic Games, this is the 2012 Olympic Games. There's riots on the streets. Thousands of calls to the switchboard, so we had to shut it down. We're receiving reports from all across the globe. Millions upon millions of distraught masses are gathering in public places everywhere, converging in desperate prayer. Preachers of many religious denominations have taken their message of the end of the world to the streets all over the U.S. Here it comes. Signs and a right the whole time. These people out there, sir. So we'll be issuing warnings now. 
Only when the boarding process is complete. That's the plan. British Columbia 2010, remember, sir? I don't think you could hear that very well. Could you hear it? I heard it said there was something about British Columbia 2010. 2010, right. Yeah. That was a crappy clip. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know it would sound so, so bad. But, you know, this is all these clues everywhere as to what's going to happen. We've got the missing ammonium nitrate. We've got the same uh, company. I think it's Veritim. Uh, the same company who did the security cameras in the London buses and tubes, which conveniently did not work, and we don't have any videotape of any of these terrorists who did the 7-7 bombings. They're the ones supplying all the cameras for Vancouver. And the craziest thing is there's no snow. Yeah, I love this no they, snow they, thing. They've got, a, they've got a truck in the snow. Yeah. I know they're gonna, they they make a big stink about oh we're gonna it's always it's never not snowed in January they say and, and that, we, we've got sub zero temperatures throughout the entire world record breaking lows and they've got no snow where they're gonna hold the Olympics what's up with that is that another <laughs> joke it's a cosmic joke of anything or somebody they put the wrong they turned the wrong knob on the weather machine. <sighs> Whatever the case, it's pretty funny that, that there's no snow up there. Uh, let me see. Let's so there's a commercial floating around. You going to change the topic? Can we change the topic? Yeah, and I had a couple other things. Sure, go ahead. Well, bring it up after I'm done with this observation. I was going to make a clip of this, but I realize it's not that great of it. It's mostly visual. But I always think it's interesting how people, you know, you know, you always talk about these guys who make the biggest stink about pedophilia and flat chested women. They're the ones yeah. that are the weirdos. They, they are the weirdos. Guaranteed. And, they, and it's like people project a lot. Well, I, I think Chase Bank is one of these people about their about honesty. And there's a commercial and everyone has probably listened to their show. If they watch enough television, they've seen this commercial at least once. A guy and a girl are in an expensive restaurant uh, looking at a menu. And there, oh, there was going to be great experience, and this girl's raving about the food on the menu. He looks down at the bottom of the menu, and it says cash only. Oh, right. She's holding the menu up. He freaks out and runs out of the restaurant down the street to a chase ATM machine and grabs some cash and then rushes back in and then sits down as she lowers her menu and says, what's wrong? You know, yeah. oh, nothing. Now, in, in real life... If you were at a restaurant, and I've actually had this happen, and you find it's cash only and you see an ATM machine across the street, what you do is you say, oh, I see it's cash only. Can you hold on a second? I'm going to walk across the street and get some cash out of the ATM machine. Yeah, exactly. You don't run off and you don't skulk off like you know, you're afraid to, to admit to anything. This, to me, is some, whoever approved this, which is bank management – tells me that the bank is basically crooked or dishonest because this is a dishonest maneuver that they're actually showing as some sort of entertainment. But I see it as pure projection of the mentality of the bank itself. I, I find it abhorrent. Yeah, that's a good point. And I see more of this weird behavior, which I think is corporate culture. Uh, for instance, the new Burger King campaign. Now, can you imagine a meeting with an advertising agency where they sit down with the client, in this case Burger King, and say, okay, I've got this great idea. We've got these new Whoppers we've got to sell, right? So why don't we get, why don't we dress grown men up as babies and have them do all kinds of kooky baby stuff like, you know, 
milk spilling out of their bottle and throwing dirt on top of their head, dressed as a baby, grown men dressed as a baby in diapers. That is a sexual sick fetish. And and the commercial. Have you seen the commercials? No, I've not seen this one. They're, they're on all the time. It's like a whole series of them. And and I don't even know what the payoff is. But I keep looking at this grown man dressed as a baby with a bottle of formula, and he tips it upside down. The top comes off, and all the formula you know splashes on his head. And another one, he's sitting in like uh, in the playground. Yeah, this is Burger King. Burger King, and then they cut to a fucking Whopper. And I'm like, what? I mean, how did anyone sell this? And, you know, it's a, it's a sexual fetish. And there's something creepy about it. It's creepy. Yeah, the Burger King commercials have largely been creepy with that crazy-looking character. Yeah, you should, you should see this one. This, there was a bunch of them where he's a voyeur. No, I haven't seen that one, but this is the there, new this series. This is like a couple years ago, that Burger King guy, that weird-looking guy. Oh, yeah, the king? He, he, there'd be somebody in their, uh, in their kitchen, and then he'd be peering in. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's creepy. It's creepy. Something's wrong with them. All right, just a couple things on Haiti real quick, um, because now, of course, uh, the articles are coming out left and right. It's not like we didn't tell you. And you know what? Earthquake machine or not, it doesn't matter. They were ready to pounce on this poor place. I quote, uh, Behind the smoke, rubble, and an unending drama of human tragedy in the hapless Caribbean country, a drama is in full play for control of what geophysicists believe may be one of the world's richest zones for hydrocarbons, oil, and gas outside the Middle East, possibly orders of magnitude greater than that of nearby Venezuela. Didn't we call this on the day of the quake, pretty much? Yeah, they have been researching this for years, John. They were ready for this. They were ready for it. They were just waiting. And, of course, everything was there. Conveniently, the, the second in charge of Southern Command was, was there in Haiti. They've been waiting for this. Now we have 20,000 Marines there. And no one cares about the people. This is all about how do we grab the land? How do we put our stake in there? Um, they already tried this in uh, 2005 when they shipped uh, Aristide out. Yeah, notably in 2005, a year after the Bush-Cheney administration de facto deposed and de- uh, the democratically elected president of Haiti, Jean-Baptiste Aristide, a team of geologists from the Institute for Geophysics at the University of Texas began an ambitious and thorough two-phase mapping of all geological data of the Caribbean basins. The project, due to be completed in 2011, directed by Dr. Paul Mann, is called the, Car- the Caribbean basins, tectonics and hydrocarbons, all about determining as precisely as possible the relation between tectonic plates in the Caribbean and the potential for hydrocarbons, oil and gas. They turned this machine on and blew it all open. And who is in there now? The multi-million dollar research, of course, which was funded by Chevron, ExxonMobil, the Anglo-Dutch Shell and BHP Billiton. They were ready for this. Hmm. Now, now, what do we do about the people of poor Haiti? Well, here's a fantastic idea. Let's send some of those formaldehyde trailers their way from Katrina, from AP. The trailer industry and lawmakers are pressing the government to send Haiti thousands of potentially formaldehyde-laced trailers left over from Hurricane Katrina. That's a beauty. Well, Wait. In a, January, more. in a January 15th letter to FEMA, Representative Benny Thompson, Democrat from Mississippi, chairman of the House Committee on Homeland Security, said the trailers could be used as 
temporary shelter or emergency clinics. Quote, While I continue to believe that these units should not be used for human habitation, I do believe they could be used of some benefit on a short-term limited basis if the appropriate safeguards are provided. Go ahead, send them the formaldehyde trailers. This is crazy. It's crazy. That's a good pickup. I never knew that was going on. Yeah, this is. From, I mean, uh, I would. The, the oil doesn't surprise me in the least, obviously. But the uh, this other scam. Let's go. What do we do with these damn trailers? I don't know. Hey, I got an idea. They got like a hundred thousand of them, and of yeah, course, people were. Yeah, a ton of them. They're all contaminated. Yeah, people were dying, and uh, this, of course, is the U.S. Uh, Agency for. International Development, USAID. Yeah, USAID. That's the uh, the economic hitman, uh, one of the arms of the economic hitman group. Yeah. So just send that shit over to him. That's fine. If you want to read the uh, the actual news reports in the show notes at noagendashow.com. And uh, I think I have a couple of crotch bomber things uh, just to... Uh, well, we'll, we can get into that the next time. Uh, we, now we're getting a lot of reports that it's Mossad somehow, that, that Indian guy at the airport, they were doing some sort of surveillance deal and the whole thing was a scam. Yeah, well, that, that there was a lot, you know, there was a lot of videotaping going on continuously from the minute that guy was helping him get on the plane to inside the plane. Of course, we've never seen said videotape anywhere. No, but we do have reports that it was actually taking place. A couple of people said that. We had one clip on the show immediately about some woman. Yeah, but, but, we've been, never, but we've never seen it. But we've, yeah, but we've never seen the videotape. And something no, you'd think would be interesting. It's like a training tape for the, some intelligence organization. And the Wall Street Journal reports the Pentagon is assigning more special forces personnel to Yemen as part of a broad push to speed the training of the country's counter-terror forces. Essentially, the CIA is just sending more. I mean, please. And then my favorite, uh, and this is from the L.A. Times. So they've now, the CIA has now put uh, Anwar al-Awlaki, who is the, uh, I guess he's the cleric that uh, the Fort Hood so-called shooter was corresponding with. Right. Um, So he's an American citizen, by the way. Uh, they've now put him on the hit list, so uh, he can be killed by a drone. <laughs> yeah, it's no joke. He's an American citizen? I didn't know that we were sh- killing our own people. Yep. No, no, there's a whole process. Uh, uh, no U.S. citizen has ever been on the CIA's target list, which mainly names al-Qaeda leaders, including Osama bin Laden, according to current or former U.S. officials. But that is expected to change as CIA analysts compile a case against the Muslim cleric who was born in New Mexico but now resides in Yemen. And uh, the way they do this, uh, we find this because it was, it was a great line. Uh, you know, they, they don't they don't take this lightly. They actually have lawyers look at it before they decide to kill somebody. Yeah, they have to vet the uh, the killing. <laughs> they put lawyers on it just to make sure that it's okay. It's nuts. It's totally nuts. You just kill whoever you want. I don't know. It's crazy. The world's crazy. It's a good thing that we have this show, by the way. I want to remind everybody. So contribute, please. 
And uh, I just wanted to mention there is a BlackBerry app for the show, and that'll be listed uh, in the links that rock section of the show notes at noagendashow.com. So now we have the trifecta, John. We have uh, the iPhone, multiple apps for that. We have the Android, multiple apps, and now we have a BlackBerry app. By the way, I'd like to point out that the uh, no Ag- Pocket No Agenda was listed on What's Hot in the iTunes App Store. Um. Cool. This, this past week, which means there should be a lot of sales. Uh, I ha- must say that I have not seen anything come in in donations from our, the developer of said application, as far as I know. Uh, I think his name is uh, Adam, Adam Burke. I don't know. I have to look in the uh Because you know what? Yeah, cause I, I will say when people say, hey, you know, I'm going to give you a portion of the proceeds and we promote it, we do kind of expect you to follow through. So I'm not pointing fingers yet. But I, I am keeping my eye on it. Yeah, at some point we may have to do our own. So um, the Zune, what about the Zune? Uh, I don't think they have apps. <laughs> I think they just take RSS feeds. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> what about the Zune? Hey, John, Zune. way to go on the tech tip, my friend. You know all about this stuff, don't you? Zune. Yeah, you're just awesome. <laughs> you're going to have a Zune phone soon. Yeah, running uh, Windows Mobile 29. I'm sure. Oh shoot! I forgot no. to play. I forgot to play the Miley Cyrus clip. What's the Miley Cyrus clip? Well, it was her. It, what? Well, can't why don't we just run it on the next show? You can tease it. No, because everyone will have seen it by then. Well, then stop the music and play the clip, or play okay. the clip at the end of our sign-off. Okay, yeah, you're right. Let me get back to the. Uh, okay, yeah, it was it, it was uh, Miley Cyrus on the Today Show. It's, you know, I really want to hear your reaction to it, though. I, I want to play no, it now. Well, then stop the music and play the clip. <laughs> I just want you to hear it. This is one of these singing sensations. It's just so worth it. You have to hear how she sings live. And this went out on the air on the Today Show. Uh, I think she was doing, uh, I don't know what track she was doing. Here it comes. So she's getting the announcement. This is outside the uh, GE building in New York City where right, they do the their live shot. You gotta, you really gotta hear this. If nothing, it'll lift our spirits after all that crap news. What? Are, what is this? And there's kids in the audience going like, what? So I just well, her career's done unless that's an imposter. No, 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 it's really her, and she's on stage with all her dancers and everything. And just this is just a, if you have kids who like Miley Cyrus, show this to them. 
to, 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 so they understand that it's all fake. It's <laughs> fake, okay? These kids can't sing. They suck. Listen. This is like the, one of the worst jokers they put on that uh, American Idol show just to make fun of them. <laughs> I'm telling you. And in fact, the pants on the ground guy is more real than this. This is an outrage. <laughs> an outrage. It's an outrage. All right. Okay, jeez. Okay, so... Um, I bet you she gets more donations than we do. Oh, this is the sick, twisted nature of it. Well, we've brought you quite a lot of information today, that's for sure. Too much. Yeah. And if we had another day in the week, we could actually spread it out and go in depth into some of this stuff. We just gloss over, like, false flag attacks, people being shot, gates of houses being rammed down with tanks. <laughs> we didn't even get to the climate gate. No. Well, that's, that's give some people something to look forward to. Right. Noagendashow.com, uh, Dvorak.org slash NA for your donations, as well as uh, Dvor uh, channel Dvorak.com slash NA. Please consider us. We need some help. Until uh, next time, in Gitmo Nation West in the Crackpot Command Center, San Francisco, California, in the morning, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where the sun is out again. I don't know, this weather's weird. I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll be back Thursday for early service, 9 o'clock, right here on No Agenda.